Hello and welcome to the Simongos podcast. This is episode 59 and this is an interview with Dr. Jim Ducanto from the USA who is the founder of The Salad Technique. Now this is a series of simple manoeuvres to help in the scenario of a severely vomitous or bloody airway. Now this comes to you in collaboration with Continuous.com, that's ContinuousLUS.com and they and Jim have a special offer for listeners of St Mungo's which you can hear about at the end of this podcast. But for now let's just jump right in. So Jim, for our listeners who may not know you, can you just describe who you are, where you're from? Yeah guys, uh, I'm an anesthesiologist in Milwaukee, Wisconsin for the past 24 years. Uh, I've been in private practice, but I've always been interested in um, simulation and uh, been interested in training of uh, medical personnel from physicians to um, uh, EMS. And your particular interest is in vomitology, which I guess is the management of the heavily soiled airway, isn't that right? So heavily bleeding, heavily vomitous uh, airway. So how, how did your interest in this particular topic begin? Well, this is really kind of funny because there was a, uh, a electric drill driven pump in the hardware store that I had seen on the shelf for months and months and months. And I finally decided to buy it and use it to connect to my mannequin to see if it would create an interesting simulation. So I bought the pump, got the drill and discovered that it, uh, it added um, uh, un, uh, an unexpected surprise to airway management simulation. So I thought you were going to tell me that there was some sort of past experience in your life. You had a heavily vomitous airway that you, you didn't manage to. So, so this came out of discovering a pump and thinking, I'm going to do something interesting with my mannequin. <laughs> Look, this, makes, this may sound ridiculous, but this came completely out of the curiosity of I wanted to buy a $10 drill-driven pump and connect it to the mannequin. There wasn't any personal experience or fearful situation that I encountered in the past that led me to create the simulator. So tell me, uh, why is this an important topic though? What, it's probably something that we all fear as emergency physicians. I don't remember ever receiving training in my career on this particular scenario or situation. So why is it an important topic? When you deep dive the, um, literature, uh, that concerns airway management in anesthesia in emergency medicine and pre-hospital work, you're gonna discover that the occurrence of severe airway contamination is um, a huge contributor to the failure of the first pass success during tracheal intubation and the failure of face mask ventilation. And indeed in um, the recent NAP4 study uh, 2011 in the United Kingdom, uh, airway contamination and aspiration was the number one cause of death due to anesthesia uh, in the study, um, nationwide study of airway mishaps. And what are some of the sequelae if we don't get it right? What, what can happen to the patient? If the patient has severe airway contamination, and it f disrupts the ability of the caregiver to provide ventilation and oxygenation. It disrupts face mask ventilation because if you face mask ventilate in that scenario, you will force aspiration. Using a supraglottic airway, it complicates uh, ventilation through a supraglottic airway, uh, requires you to decontaminate the supraglottic airway. And in the scenario of when you're performing tracheal innovation, it obstructs the view towards placing the tracheal tube and ultimately can make the first uh, 
attempt at tracheal innovation fail. The end point in aspiration is impaired oxygenation, impaired ventilation, chemical pneumonitis, um, and um, hypoxemia, severe hypoxemia that can lead to cardiac arrest. Now, I've been fortunate to attend your course, Jim, and I remember that you, you discussed a little bit about the history of the soiled airway. Do you mind just kind of covering a little bit of that for us? As I began to deep dive the topic, I discovered that uh, the uh, negative effects of regurgitation and aspiration were documented as a lot far ago as the 19th century. The literature from the 1940s and 50s out of the United States and the United Kingdom demonstrated an aspiration rate of up to 25% during face mask anesthesia. That particular statistic is paralleled in the reported incidence of aspiration during out-of-hospital cardiac arrest. Uh, there was an abstract to the journal Resuscitation in 2015, I believe it was, which documented in 3,104 cases of out-of-hospital cardiac arrest that 25% of the patients had regurgitated prior to the arrival of EMS, and 7% of those patients aspirated uh, or rather regurgitated during endotracheal intubation attempts. So we're going to talk about the salad technique and some of the, the kind of maneuvers, let's say, that can support or help in these situations. But before we do that, let, let's just talk about the historical approach. What do most people currently do? The historical approach to the occurrence of uh, regurgitation during patient care is to position the patient in the lateral recovery position. Uh, if you're perform actively performing airway management on that, said pa on that patient, using the lateral position and using a head down position uh, is, uh, allows the regurgitant to uh, pass uh, under the larynx and out of the mouth or the nose. In the case of uh, minor uh, fluid uh, regurgitation during face mask ventilation, the idea of using a head down position is to allow that small amount of fluid to pool in the nasal pharynx. So you understand that postural changes, that is a head down position, has been a historic approach to the management of the patient with active regurgitation or bleeding, as the case may be. So let's try and dissect out the salad technique, if that's okay, which is actually a kind of a complement of maneuvers, um, so to speak. So why don't we go and see a case? Maybe we'll go big. We'll, we'll take probably the, the most frightening of all cases. That would be a, a significant varicele bleed. So let's say we're in resource, you and I together, and I'm the junior, you're, the, you're my senior, and you're going to take me through this procedure. So we approach this patient very heavily vomiting, um, struggling, struggling to maintain their airway. Looks like we're heading for intubation. So let's let's just take it simply. What was the first thing that you would do in this situation? Okay, the most important things to do is, of course, to resuscitate the patient before you would uh, want to uh, anesthetize the patient for airway management. So we're going to have proper intravenous access. We're going to make sure we give a proper volume infusion. It's beyond the scope of this talk to discuss what you're going to give the patient intravenously, but you're going to resuscitate the patient with volume. We're going to pre-oxygenate that patient with oxygen. In the current day and age, there's multiple methods to do this. I, I would understand that a CPAP or BiPAP might be um, not appropriate in this case because it may actually force aspiration in a patient who's actively bleeding. So if high flow nasal cannula is available, that would be the highest tech uh, method we could use to help wash out the nitrogen out of the patient's lungs, 
possibly maintain some lung recruitment. And by positioning the patient in a semi-upright position, we're going to place them in a play, uh, position where initially, prior to giving them the anesthetic induction, they can protect their own airway, spit out blood that's in their mouth uh, while breathing deeply and maintaining their own lung recruitment. So now that we have this patient in a semi-sitting position um, and we have this patient pre-oxygenated, we're going to perform an intravenous induction. Uh, it's beyond the scope of this talk to discuss exactly what you're going to give, but it is an induction agent with a full dose of a paralytic. If you're using succinylcholine, it's important to remember that if you don't use a defasciculating dose of a non-depolarizer with succinylcholine, you can actually force uh, regurgitation due to the contraction of the large abdominal muscles due to the succinylcholine. This is a real phenomenon. It's not a theoretical phenomenon. This has been talked about for almost 70 years in the literature. Okay, so I'm at the head end. I'm going to do this intubation. You're by my side. You're going to talk me through this, okay? So I've got my um, laryngoscope. I've got my uh, suction. And we're about to do some of the maneuvers that would, I guess, make up the salad kind of technique. So what, what, what's the first steps? How, how do I intubate this patient from here? I want you to start with the laryngoscope in your left hand, and I want you to hold a large bore rigid suction catheter in your right hand. In lieu of holding that rigid suction catheter in the normal fashion that you've been trained to hold it for assisting in surgery, I want you to hold that rigid suction catheter upside down so that the tip is facing away from you. It will almost look like the blade of a laryngoscope in the way you're gonna hold the rigid suction catheter. You'll then take your, the thumb of your left hand, put it into the mentum of the chin, push the mandible down, place the suction into the mouth over the top of the tongue, suction the oropharynx. Then you're going to use the rigid suction catheter as a tool to depress the tongue into the floor of the mouth. And you're gonna distract that lower mandible inferiorly or caudad so that you can create as much room in the oropharynx as you possibly can to help you place the laryngoscope blade in the mouth towards the base of the tongue. You're going to be doing what I would call an oropharyngoscopy. You're going to concentrate first on getting control of the oropharynx. And then as a next step, you advance that suction catheter ever so, so slightly more deeply into the hypopharynx and follow along with the laryngoscope blade in a, in a stepwise manner in which you will suction or vacuum ahead of your laryngoscope blade so that you are never immersed in blood or any other types of liquids or partial salads. And we're probably using a video laryngoscope, aren't we? And, and if you don't do that, I guess there's a risk that, you know, the, 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 the camera will get bloody and clogged and, and you'll lose your vision. So, so what you're saying is that the laryngos or sorry, the suction should always be an inch or two, I guess, ahead of the, 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 the blade. Is that right? That's right. That's exactly right. If you can keep your laryngoscope as high as you possibly can with re relatively speaking to the hype to the posterior wall the hypopharynx you'll reduce any chances that any airway contaminant blood or what have you gets onto the light or the video camera of the blade so to, just to summarize so I, i'm leading with my suction which i'm holding in a hand over grip i'm suctioning out all the blood um, i'm keeping that ahead of the laryngoscope as i'm creating space with the suction by lifting up the tongue whilst I suck. And then I'm trying to find the same landmarks, trying to introduce the tip of the laryngoscope into the vallecula. Now, typically what we would do from this 
situation in, in any other kind of intubation is we would remove the suction. But obviously there's a risk now that if we do that, a big regurgitation will undo all of the good that we've just achieved. So what do we do? What, what would the salad technique teach us to do at this moment? It's going to become necessary that we move the suction catheter from its position to the right of the laryngoscope blade into a position where it can still do its job in maintaining the uh, cleanliness and decontamination of the hypopharynx while we're completing the intubation procedure. So we're going to take that suction catheter out from the right side of the laryngoscope and place it down the left side of the laryngoscope all the way to put the tip into the uh, hypopharynx and into the upper esophagus. This is going to uh, maintain the um, decontamination of the hypopharynx while you complete the intubation procedure. It's going to get the suction catheter <clears throat> out of the way of the tracheal tube. And furthermore, if you're using a high flow nasal cannula, it will stop leaching out the supplemental oxygen that you're providing for the purpose of apneic oxygenation. And you call that the salad park, isn't that right? So you're yeah, so parking that suction catheter down the left side of the blade as you look at it as, as an intubator. And you're kind of gripping now, you're kind of gripping the laryngoscope and the suction in your left hand, aren't you, at this stage? Well, you actually don't need to grip the, the suction anymore because the patient in the laryngoscope will actually hold the suction in that position for you. It's almost as if you now have three hands. It's wonderful. And so just to clarify as well, so now that that suction is now sitting in the esophagus, so any further regurgitation, and particularly if it's a, a high, a large bore catheter, that will be enough to remove any regurgitation and keep keep your you know your visual field clear, I guess. Is, is it worth having a second suction just at hand as you would look under the pillow as you often do in these situations if you needed a bit of extra suction? If you're facing a uh, severe situation in which you're predicting failure, uh, having a second suction source is wise, yes. Okay, so we're now going to introduce the ET tube. Um, you have talked about in your course a salad poke. So we've gone from a park to a poke. So what, what does that do in this situation? The salad poke ensures that you have adequate room to place the tracheal tube um, through the mouth, the past the palatoglossal arch around the base of the tongue and into the larynx. It's common with video laryngoscopy that we'll get wonderful views on larynx, but have difficulty placing the tracheal tube. One of the major reasons that occurs is that the person performing the intubation isn't actually creating adequate space to deliver the tracheal tube. The salad poke will deliberately create space alongside the right side of the laryngoscope so that ample room for tracheal tube delivery is 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 uh, uh, achieved. And, and just to make it even simpler, are you basically, so you're introducing your index finger, I guess, your right hand, down the right side of the mouth as you look at it, and you're just pushing the tongue over a bit more to the left, is that right? You're just creating space for your tube. Simple as that. Sure, you're moving the laryngoscope just a tiny bit more towards the midline or towards the left, if the tongue is hanging over the space that you're going to need to transverse with the tracheal tube, you can push the tongue to the left of the video laryngoscope blade to create more space. Any pitfalls or downsides of this procedure? If you're uh, using this technique to intubate a patient with a completely dry airway, it may seem um, 
excessive. Uh, and in, in the case of that, I like to simply say that if you're using the rigid suction catheter as a tool to help you uh, place the laryngoscope more precisely on the first attempt, uh, you can remove um, the suction hose from the suction. Uh, my idea here with salad is to, it's a suction assisted laryngoscopy. It could be a tongue depressor assisted laryngoscopy. And indeed in my clinical practice, I utilize a wooden tongue depressor when placing either a direct laryngoscope or a video laryngoscope to give me the advantage of the perfect placement of the laryngoscope on the first attempt. By using the suction catheter in emergency airway management, you're always ready for uh, airway contamination. So if it's a completely dry airway, the disadvantages of using suction are it can be distracting, it can suck out the oxygen. Uh, if you're facing a dry airway, you can um, uh, either kink the uh, suction tubing or simply remove it from the catheter and uh, simply proceed as uh, the technique is previously described. And is there any evidence to support this maneuver? We have six simulation studies in the literature now, and we uh, this earlier this year, we have had two case reports. One is from uh, an anesthesiologist from Korea who is facing a, um, uh, a full stomach, uh, I believe the, also a hiatal hernia, uh, in which the salad technique was um, instrumental in managing the airway on the first attempt of the video laryngoscope. The other case report is out of the United States in, the, in a Midwestern emergency department in which a emergency physician was handling a severe case of uh, hemoptysis and uh, pulmonary edema uh, following um, uh, a cardiac event. And they were obviously successful and positive about the, the procedure, I guess. Indeed. So first pass success occurred in both cases in which uh, the, uh, the clinicians were predicting failure on the first attempt. Now, we're not going to go into it in detail here because there's actually more to the salad technique than just the basic technique that we've just described. And it's too much for, for a, an audio-only uh, kind of educational thing. So, um, But would, would you mind just very briefly describing some of the more advanced techniques? What, what, what are some of the other things that can be done in difficult situations? In the cases in which the... Um ongoing airway contamination is overwhelming your suction system. A procedure in which a small bore endotracheal tube placed to the, to the left of the laryngoscope blade passively into the esophagus, which can serve as a passive drain, could be helpful to assist you in maintaining the hypopharyngeal decontamination so you can complete the intubation procedure. That's one. A secondary method to assist the salad procedure with an open tip Yankauer catheter, which is a Yankauer catheter that has a large central uh, tip in the very tip in lieu of the rosette tip with multiple perforations. The open tip Yankauer has a large central hole. It has been described in the UK medical literature to use that suction catheter as a method to deliver a pediatric bougie to the trachea. The bougie is delivered, the suction catheter is removed then placed back into the hypopharynx while the tracheal tube is threaded over the bougie. So what if we don't have a large bore catheter? I know that you advocate for that. Obviously, it allows for much stronger, quicker, better um, suction. But if we don't and we only have a standard Yankar suction, can we still do this procedure? What are some of the considerations if we only have the, the, the simple uh, suction? 
The salad technique is compatible with the use of a Yankauer catheter, especially if the Yankauer catheter is what is known as an open tip Yankauer. That's a Yankauer catheter that instead of having the rosette tip with the bulb and the multiple tiny perforations, it has one large central uh, hole at the distal tip. That particular catheter is quite effective at removing uh, liquids and tiny bits of solids, but it's very effective in removing liquids. Okay, so if people want to find out more, um, Continuous, which is now a partner in these podcasts, is giving 25% off your course, which is a two-hour course. It's one lecture and 11 tutorials. Uh, and you can get 25% off today. And that is SALAD, all capital letters, 25, SALAD25. It's a coupon code. If you go to continuous.com, you sign up, you click to pay, you put in the coupon SALAD25 and you'll get 25% off today. And you'll be able to see all of these techniques and then all the advanced techniques. Plus you'll find out a lot more about uh, some of the stuff that we've spoken about today. So thank you very much, Jim, for allowing us to do that. Now I'm going to finish with... Uh, the la the question that I ask all my guests, if that's okay. So if I could bring you back on my time machine, what have you gained in all of your experience throughout your career? What what would you what piece of information would you give your junior self just leaving medical school starting their career? What piece of advice would you give them? The advice I would give myself, which I think that I've adhered to, is don't ever give up on yourself. You are a unique and wonderful human being. And you will obviously make some type of concessions in order to conform to a uh, community or to a culture where you're going to uh, end up working. But what's important to understand that you can't sublimate and you can't beat down the core passions and truths that uh, led you up to entering medicine. If that includes a creative outlet, uh, you have to find a way of exercising that creative outlet, whether you're uh, an artist or a musician or uh, an athlete. You'll have to find a way to support that. Don't give up on yourself. Jim DeCanto, thank you very, very much for your time. Thank you very much, Owen. I really appreciate your work. So thank you very, very much to Jim for that interview. I think my main take-home points today is just a summary of the main steps of the salad technique. So number one, use a hand over grip of the suction catheter like you would grip a laryngoscope. Number two, open the mouth and lead with the suction. So clear the contents and then you can use the suction catheter to lift the tongue and jaw up out of the way so that you can advance your laryngoscope. Number three, Advance your laryngoscope, but do so behind the suction. So always lead with the suction so that you're always protecting the camera if you're using a video laryngoscope and you're likely to do so in these situations. You're protecting it from getting covered in blood or vomitous material. Number four, when your laryngoscope is in position, take the suction out of the mouth and then position the suction catheter down the left side of the laryngoscope and ideally into the upper esophagus and this provides continual suction during ET placement. This is called the salad park. And then number five, you can do a salad poke, which is just before you introduce the ET tube, you introduce your right index finger into the right side of the mouth to create a bit more space for your ET tube. 
And just one last reminder about uh, the special offer we have today. So 25% off the acclaimed online salad technique course with Jim Ducanto. Jim will take you through one lecture and 11 tutorials on all the steps and stages of the salad technique. And it comes with a certificate and two CPD points or two CEU credits. So go to Continuous, find the course, click to buy. You'll be asked for a coupon. Enter SALAD25, all capitals, and that will uh, give you the offer. And finally, in our show notes for this course, you'll find the take-home points, but also a free tutorial from the course, which uh, covers most of what we talked about in this podcast today. So you can go ahead and watch that for free. Don't forget, there's lots of other exciting resources on stmungos-ed.com. And until next time, please take care.